Welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things related to money, mindset, finance, business, and investing. My name is Royston Cumberbatch, a qualified accountant with over 30 years' experience in finance and business. Coming from a very humble background, I have continuously challenged the assumptions and the expectations of what I'm capable of achieving for myself and others. Over the years, I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs to decipher finance and to make more money and to run highly successful businesses. On this podcast, I will share with you tips, strategies, techniques, and tools that you can use to make more money, manage money better, and to maximize your success. All right, so welcome to the next version of the Financial Intelligence Mindset Podcast. And we bring you different guests from different backgrounds, different businesses, people with different journeys. And today we got uh, Henry Vaughn with us from Bond Fed, and he's been providing foreign exchange services for businesses that have a foreign exchange risk. So uh, Henry, welcome to the podcast, and please tell us about your ba- <clears throat> your backstory. Sorry, ex- excuse me there. Yeah, please tell us about your backstory. Maybe how or why did you started this business? Yeah, Roy. Thanks firstly for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. So uh, to give you some context i've been working in foreign exchange now for 10 years um initially i worked at a foreign exchange brokerage here in london uh, i moved to a competitor uh, spent a few years there um, in a slightly different role um then later moved into a consulting business and set this business up bonford three years ago um the rationale for setting the business up was that I felt there was a lack of vendors providing um, high quality, high touch risk advisory services to our target segment, which is, you know, upper end SME businesses, mid mid market businesses who are typically underserved via their relationship banks or, um, you know, who um, do not receive essentially that support that they require to manage what um, for them is quite increasingly complex financial risk, specifically around currency. Yeah, I got it. I got it. So talk to us, right? So someone listening to this podcast, maybe they're a they're business owner, maybe they're in London or the US where this podcast is heavily listened to and they hold financial risk. I mean, how big is, say, and obviously currency risk is one aspect of financial risk, but how big, how, how, how big is, say, currency risk? for a business that's, say, in one country and doing business um, with businesses in another country and in a currency? Um, I guess the, the question of how big that is, it depends, obviously, on the business itself and the extent to which their cost base or revenue base is in foreign currency. Mm-hmm. Um, but in short, it can be you know very significant you know profit margins can be materially impacted by exchange rate volatility the balance sheet asset and liabilities can be impacted um and there's just a wide range of areas in which firms can be exposed you know even sort of debt to equity ratios can be impacted covenants can be breached as a result of currency market volatility um it can impact a, a wide wide variety of uh, in a, uh, businesses in a wide variety of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a big thing. Because I remember when I was working in um, Aviva, actually, I was working in reinsurance. And I remember 
the asset liability management wasn't, the processes wasn't that robust. And I actually helped them to save, you can say, around 3 million um, pounds in one year just by making sure that they had um, that the assets and the liabilities were properly matched. Because obviously, if there's a mismatch between assets and liabilities, what happened is that if you now have a lot of liabilities, say, in, um, in US dollars, um, and you have assets in dollar in, in sterling, and you have to make a claim, now, now you have to convert. Now, if you have a big US claim, you have to convert, say, sterling to US, but we know that the exchange rate um, varies from time to time. So what we had to do was make sure that they have a good process for keeping the assets and the liabilities in the same currencies. So, so with that in mind, what are some of the main kind of businesses that you work with based on your, you know, your I don't know, portfolio of clients? I mean, what kind of businesses do you see are the typical ones that has this need for your service? Uh, so we're obviously based here in the UK primarily. So a lot of our customers are UK based or have their uh, headquarters based here in the UK. Um, they may have subsidiaries overseas, but headquarters here in the UK, typically. Um, and they are primarily importers or exporters of goods and services. Yeah. Uh, they operate on a global scale um, in one fashion or another. Um, so businesses who are susceptible or, or, or sensitive to exchange rate volatility, where their income statement balance sheet, et cetera, it can be materially impacted by even relatively small changes in exchange rates. So that's our typical customer. Um, the other type of business that we would engage with is, you know, fund managers, asset managers who are, you know, global investors um, who either may want to protect themselves from um, exchange rate volatility and the impact it has on the actual assets they own internationally, yes. or they may want to set up um, head share classes for their investors to protect them. So, yeah, we, we deal with corporates and financial institutions. We don't deal with retail clients. Um, our focus is more on businesses that are, like I said, materially um, exposed to exchange rate volatility. Okay, okay. All right. So talking about uh, the exposure. So say you went into a business and you, you were just assessing them. You know, you wanted to understand, okay, do you have an exposure to foreign currency uh, or foreign exchange? I mean, what are some of the things that you look at um, to say to really assess their risk, assess their exposure? Yeah, I think there's two different sides to it. Um, if we focus specifically on transaction risk. So there's the risk that is immediate, that's on the balance sheet, you know, books, transactions. Mm -hmm. it, um, foreign currency or there's anticipated transactions in foreign currency and we kind of um, separate those two between a, a cash flow hedging program and a balance sheet hedging program so what we want to understand is what is a business um, uh, going to be exposed to over a longer period of time you know and we would look to hedge or, or build out programs that assess the risk um, that is related to forecasted transactions yeah and then look at what's actually on the balance sheet uh for this month and that's crossing over various balance sheet or reporting dates yeah yeah so, um we want to know what the foreign currency cash flows look like and what's on the balance sheet i got uh, it i got it so cash flow and balance sheet are two of the main financial statements that you look at so and and from a cash flow forecasting just generally um 
from a from a from a risk controls perspective, foreign exchange risks. How important would you say is, is for for a business that has such exposure? How how important would you say is cash flow forecasting, cash flow management? Uh, it's absolutely vital. Um, having stability, predictability in cash flows is you know that's that's what keeps the business running. And yeah, it's the lifeblood of the business. So having systems, controls, processes in place to accurately forecast cash flows, but also protect cash flows, which is more of the business that you know we're in, although what we do also can help with the predictability of those is is vital. You know, as a business owner or a finance person, you want to know right in six months' time what's our cash flow look like. Twelve months time, or you know, I ideally the longer the horizon the better. Um, I like it. I like it and what the, you know, you, you can make important financial or strategic decisions based on that. Yeah, you know, it's amazing you said that because even me, like one of the, one of the main services I actually provide now as a freelance, if you want to call it CFO, accountant, consultant, I'm actually in zeroing in on cash flow management because I realize that a lot of businesses, if, if you look at reasons why businesses fail, I would say Poor cash flow management is one of those reasons. And then if, if, if you look at a business that has exposure to foreign currency, that's even compounded because now they have cash flow issues on top of um, a foreign exchange exposure. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so that, that makes sense. So for a business, once you assess the risk of the business, I think you mentioned a couple of hedging tools that you have or hedging, um, I don't know, initiatives or programs can you talk to us about like for someone who has exposure now how do you tend to kind of minimize the exposure to an acceptable risk if you want to call it that sure um obviously any strategy that we provide is going to be tailored to the unique needs of any customer and they're going to vary in terms of what their business model is their cash cycle is so on and so forth but um, to start off on the actual products that are available to customers in order to hedge currency risk or mitigate currency risk, they've typically got, um, you know, only a handful. So there is forward foreign exchange contract, yep. Yep. swaps, which is, you know, similar to a, an FX forward contract. And you have currency options, um, FX futures, which is more of an exchange traded uh, risk management products. It's not OTC. Um, and within the options products, you can, you know, extend those out. There's loads of weird. Yeah, different kind of option. options. Options, options. Yeah, there's different kind of options. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the majority of businesses um, tend to use FX forward contracts yeah. um, for managing their currency risk because it's a more simplistic tool. Um, they also provide quite a lot of flexibility in terms of being able to roll or draw down the contracts, options are obviously exercised on specific dates. If you have cash flow um, delays or so on and so forth, it's quite hard to uh, roll those contracts on. You have to settle them. Yeah. Uh, but um, those are the products. Uh, and in terms of you know hedging strategy per se, it, again, it depends on the business, but typically what we endorse or see as a best practice of hedging forecasted transactions is a layered hedging approach, or that's what we call it, um, where you are essentially hedging near-term risk, you know, say up to three months uh, with a higher hedge ratio. You know, you may look at 80% uh, 
uh, hedged on your three-month uh, forecasts, and then down to three to six, you might hedge 60, six to eight, you might hedge 40, and the, the layering continues. Yeah. And as you get to the end of that three-month period, you then top up the 60 to 80, and the, the cycle continues. And what that provides is essentially a sort of dollar cost averaging um, effect. So you're smoothing the exchange rate over longer periods of time, which in turn provides that stability um, in your hedge rates, average effective hedge rates. Wow, wow. Businesses want yeah. uh, primarily. You do get cases where businesses are slightly more speculative in terms of their views on foreign currency. It might yep. be more tactical um, in their approach, um, in which case maybe they adjust the hedge ratios accordingly uh, to suit their needs in terms of um, providing less cover in situations where they believe the market's going to go higher. Uh, again, from a, our perspective and a, and a best practice, we don't really believe in uh, speculative risk management processes. We prefer to endorse um, rules-based systematic approaches to yeah. current management because, again, our view is that it's very, very hard to uh, reliably and consistently predict currency markets. Yeah, uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a number of things that, that are, a number of questions that I have to, I have to ask you um, as you mentioned, as, as you start speaking about that. But um, one of the things I'm quite intrigued about is just about your, back. I mean, I'm not sure how much we covered it. Like your, so this is your own business right now. So Bond Fed is, it's your business, but, um, but before you set this business up, uh, and become an expert, as, as, as I would call it, in currency hedging and, and, and foreign exchange management. I guess you yourself had to learn a lot about it, right? So can you talk us a, just a little bit about that journey and also like a journey of coming into your own business? I mean, what was it? What are some of the considerations that you had, say, um, in, in staying and work with a consultancy firm or starting your own business? Yeah. Um, I can come on to that. Uh, in terms of a learning curve, obviously, as I explained earlier, you know, I've been in a wide variety of companies in a wide variety of roles. So, um, you know, initially starting in sales to relationship management, client dealing on a more transactional level. So actually processing and doing deals on behalf of corporates Um and right the way through to being at that consultant business where we were working with typically medium to large size corporates with more complex exposures, um, advising them on hedging products and strategies. Um, yeah, so th there's there's been, you know, a wide variety of experience that I've yeah. gathered over the years doing that. Obviously, I've worked with some incredible people over the time um, who've helped my Help me develop my knowledge. Um, and I continue to learn today. You know, it's of a course. process. Um, I think it's just important to surround yourself with intelligent people who are, you know, um, you know, keen to find uh, innovative solutions for your customers. Yes. Continue to, to do that today. Um, in terms of making the jump from, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I emphasize jump. Yeah. Jump uh, from being an employee to uh, a business owner, 
that was not something that I did lightly. Uh, lightly. Um, it requires a, a very strong belief in what you are about to do. Yes. Uh, you're doing it. Um, so I would say the process of, you know, making that decision was done over a, maybe a year or, two, or maybe even two years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that I just thought, okay, right, I'm going to, you know, go and set off my own business. Um, I meticulously planned and thought about how I was going to go about it, what the risk uh, was in doing that, you know, bear in mind, you know, it's been three years now and, you know, first two years I didn't take a salary. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big call. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not easy, man. And, you know, it's one of the questions that I ask a lot, like coming on to become onto the podcast. I mean, it's called financial intelligence mindset. But I think um, uh, I want to go, I'm going to deep dive a bit more into that journey of coming into your own business and what are some of your learning points. But I myself make that plunge, you know, um, of, you know, of having that security from a job to like now, um, you know, running my own business um, where I provide financial education, I provide financial consultancy uh, to people, um, you know, and yeah, it it is taking a plunge, it is taking a jump and you do take a a, a dip and say, you know, the amount of money that, that you will make for yourself. What I do believe is that you... You, you tend to serve more people. So, um, and I also believe that the more people you serve and are able to serve, I believe then that is what generates more income. And yeah. then eventually that you can pay yourself. So talk to us about that. So that, that, that journey of coming into your business, I mean, from a financial perspective, like, did you do a forecast? Like, did you try to predict how much money you might need to survive for the next, I don't know, year? Yeah. I mean, how much, I mean, how would you, I mean, how do you fund the business? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from a funding perspective, um, I think startups are limited in terms of their options for debt. Um, So typically, it comes in the form of equity. uh, um, And that can obviously either be raised uh, from other investors or put in yourself. Yes. Um, My, I mean, perhaps I don't know whether... I did make the right call in doing this, but um, I decided to put up the majority of the seed capital for my business on myself. Uh, yeah. on my, so it's my capital that I'd um, earned for yeah. years, uh, which obviously creates more risk for me, uh, yeah. more upside in terms of uh, retaining some equity. Um, and over time, we have sought to get external investment. Um but at better valuations than what we would have done, you know, had we gone to investment from day one. Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And I think the, you know, going and getting external investment, I think is a good thing. Um, you know, we've certainly benefited from people's contributions, not actually necessarily just in the form of capital, uh, but actually, you know, business advice. And yes, yeah. Relationships. I almost see that now more as um, as more beneficial than the capital itself. I got it. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. Um, then, um, sorry, I'm, I'm starting to forget what you're on. No, 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 no. So basically, you were, yeah. I mean, we're just talking about like coming into the business and financing the business, and obviously, you thinking about your own finances as well. 
and you making sure yeah. and, and you and you making sure that that you have enough you want to call it a cash runway, a cash runway yes. to, to obviously not, not just fund the business, because you mentioned that you didn't take an income for the first two years. Therefore, coming, coming into the business, you also got to make sure that you have enough cash reserves, cash reserves, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And now I recall, obviously, um, one of the points you mentioned there was, you know, cash flow forecasting, putting together a, a cash forecast for the business. Yeah. I mean, this is, I'm sure you've seen this uh, yes. with your own company or with other businesses that you help. I mean, a cash forecast is great, but particularly at, at a startup level um, can be incredibly misleading. Yes, correct. <laughs> You're often overly optimistic um, about what you were going to achieve, particularly in the first year. Yes, yes. I mean, that that is true. That is true. I mean, you, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, even me, my own business, I mean, the kind of targets I have, um, or, you know, I haven't hit those targets yet, but I think, you know, when you do a business, you start a business with a vision. Yeah. And you keep plugging away, yeah. It's, it's good to be optimistic, but also realistic at the same time, uh, I think. It, you know, certainly, and I, I, I put my hand up and say, I think we were probably slightly over optimistic in terms of our goals and objectives um, and what was stated on our, our cash forecast. So I, I could probably find our old cash forecasts actually from when we started. Yeah. I think the forecast actual analysis would probably suggest that we were <laughs> a little bit um, optimistic, but uh I think, yeah, like I said, having some, you've got to have optimism. You've got to go in. With of course, some, ambition. You've got to have ambition. You got you, you, um, you, yeah, yeah. And belief, as you said, yeah. And belief, exactly. But also, you know, again, importantly, as we both agree, having that cash, of, you know, you need to be able to withstand, you know, a decent amount of time to get your business up and running um, and generating cash because it yeah. doesn't, doesn't come overnight and you I think a lot of people are probably slightly naive going in and I certainly was going into things and seeing a business as a sort of straight line up yes just doesn't work like that you're going to come across various challenges and hurdles across the way and obviously mm. cash needs to reflect those those of uh, course yes but obviously as you said very very difficult to predict Right, yeah, yeah, because because you go okay, cool, cool, cool. So you've been now for like three years now, I guess, and um, yeah. and you have a team of people working with you. Yeah, so we got five people in total um, with a range of different skill sets, um, which is great. You know, we're a small team. Uh, we're growing. Um, obviously, this year has been challenging, but um, we hope the years ahead are going to be fruitful. Yes, uh, of course. Yeah. And um, yeah, hopefully we can grow and expand that team, expand our presence internationally at some point um, and continue to grow and provide value to our, our customers. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So in hindsight, if you look back at like three year point to now, I mean, I mean, what, what would you say? Maybe you've already mentioned it. But what would you say has been your biggest learning point? Gosh, I've had so many. Uh, <laughs> uh, or one, or one that you think might benefit 
listeners, people who are looking to uh, either new in business or going into business or, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe for, even, even from a financial perspective as well, because obviously this is called financial intelligence mindset. So what are, what are, what, what is, what, what's a, a couple, maybe a couple learning points that you can say, if I knew I would have done this better or I would have made sure I had that in place? Yeah, I think one thing that I did badly was invest too much time and money into uh, sales ahead of getting the product and value proposition right. Yeah, it's 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 amazing how you actually said that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say too much in sales, what do you mean? Were you investing in sales and marketing systems? Stuff like you know buying an expensive website or going to ah yeah 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 going and um, putting together brochures and yeah going out to uh, you you know you really need to go to the market understand the client's needs and you know dive deep into that Um, you're going to have competition we certainly do in our sector. Uh, how are you different? What do you provide that other people don't provide? How are you going to make the client's life better? Um, spend a lot of time looking at that. Uh, that, that is solid advice. Do you not mean. rush that. That, that, <laughs> that, is, that. that is solid. Market intelligence, customer intelligence. Correct, and, yeah. and, and I think what I have learned, what I have learned, as you said, you just put it in context, what, what you said is that make sure that you have a, a solid offer a co-offer an offer that that when the client hears the offer regardless of whether you have linkedin followings regardless of whether you have a website regardless of whether you have all that thing that goes wow yes you can solve my problem yeah you know i remember we i well i say we i'm trying to pass the blame on to other people yeah i um came to the conclusion that you know this was quite early stage in our business that a specific product that we developed was going to be you know the bee's knees you know we, we were gonna this was gonna fly off the shelf so we ended up um spending a lot of money building a tech product yeah um and anyway built this thing and it was all based on what i thought the market wanted yes didn't go out and I didn't do enough research and speak to prospective customers about it. And, you know, I must have spent in it well in excess of 50, maybe even over a hundred grand. Wow. On a product development. Um, product development. And, you know, you go to market afterwards and, you know, I'm getting on calls with, you know, CFOs and they're saying, look, Henry, you know, it's a, it's a cool product. I get it, but I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying what? <laughs> yeah yeah you know it, 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 it's it's it, they were like oh, it's, because it's a value to the business right because your business is basically yeah. like if you want to call it like a value i mean i, I just make thumbs up like a, a value transfer business you know like you want to minimize the risk for them they, they want to see okay if i buy this product how will it help my bottom line yeah. or, or how will it minimize my risk my my potential losses you know how would it help me you know, so mm. oftentimes you really have to zoom in on, on the pain points, as you said, not just think about the product, but think about the, understand the customer. Maybe yeah. you, you probably would have been better off going and talking to 10 CFOs yeah. and asking them, 
about the problems and asking them what product would yeah. help that problem. Maybe getting them involved in the actual process of the development, you know, getting them, getting their buy-in during the journey, saying, look, you know, we're thinking about building this specific feature. What do you think about that? They might say, oh, no, I don't actually think that's going to be worth it. But you know what? This might be a good idea. And you go to the next guy or, you know, lady, and they, they say, yeah, I completely agree with that. And you, you've got much better um, basis and um, for building a product that's going to actually sell. I got it. I got it. You know, aside from the sort of value proposition piece of, you know, which, you know, I think is overlooked. I think we go into business thinking that, you know, whatever we're going to do is the best thing, you know, since sliced bread. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about cash flow. You know, that that is, you know, if not number one, number two, you know, you need to ensure that you have enough runway and the runway, if you think it's, you know, there's often a saying with tech development, you know, that if they say it's going to be 12 months, it's going to be 24. Or yes, yes, yes. You mean fintech, you mean fintech or tech or yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of ideally want to do the same thing with cash flow. Uh, you, yeah. you want to you want to be as safe as possible because, um, you know, that you can have a great business idea that, you know, could take off and it doesn't because you don't have enough cash runway to support the business needs. You might, you know, be able to go and raise some money, but, you know, who knows? As a startup, it's, it's pretty you tough. Yeah. Luxury, uh, you don't have the luxury of being able to just quickly raise funds like a, a large corporate. Of course not, yeah. Very, very cautious of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I kind of got it. so cash flow, uh, value proposition, understanding your customer more than even they understand themselves, understand their pain points, and coming up with an offer that is kind of irresistible and makes them go, Yes, I want this offer at that particular price. Cool, cool, cool. So, what has been some of um, or, or, or your biggest success then? I mean, since you've obviously learned these things, you've come on, you, you like you're three years in, like if you say, Right, wow this is what we're doing really well now, you know, or, or this is what we've done really well. I mean, yeah. I think we've been able to adapt very quickly to changing client needs. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the benefits of being in a startup, you know, where the decision hierarchies are, you know, it's pretty much me and, you know, a couple of guys. Yes, uh, yes. So we have the ability to change course very quickly. Um, and that's been necessary, certainly on our journey. You know, uh, we started off with one vision and we were certainly not offering the same thing as what we expected to offer customers from the start. Um, but that is what people want. And, you know, that's why we've had certain successes. I mean, we are currently debt free. We are a profitable, we just just profitable um, business Um, and we have some you know decent high profile customers you know you may have been watching the tennis this year you know one of our clients is ATP tennis yeah wow good so we've managed to win some good business good quality business build some really um, quality relationships with people yeah Um, and yeah, you know, we, we continue to, to go uh, and move forward. Um, I think success also, you know, I don't think it needs to be measured in terms of financial. I think, you know, it can be personal as well. I think, 
you know, being able to overcome obstacles, grow as a person. Yeah, um, it's big, it's big. Is that, it, it's big, it's huge. Um, so I think personally, I feel like I've developed a lot as a person over the last couple of years from going through this process of setting up yes. a business. Um, you have to learn a lot of things that I wouldn't perhaps have learned. In, of course, in school or, or anywhere else. Yeah, you're right. You, you kind of end up doing a you know, quasi-MBA <laughs> from just setting up your own business. Yeah. You've and got to, you've and got that is true. And, and that is true. I remember one young man I, I, I interviewed a couple of weeks ago. He is only 30 years old and he's on his fourth business, right? You know, mm. um, so wow. I mean, to, to have run three businesses in your 20s, you know, um, yeah, that's pretty awesome, you know. So um, I agree, I agree. So, all right. So, so your your business is um born fed, right? So, um, and currently, um, so you have you have refined your core offer. So, how would you describe your kind of your if you want to call it your, your unique selling point, your core offer? I mean, if you, if you, if you had to pitch to a customer, I mean, what would that be in a, in, a, in a, I don't know, in a few sentences? Yeah, I think we, you know, we protect a business's bottom line from FX volatility. So we'll protect your profit margins from being eroded due to currency market volatility. I like uh, that. I like that. And we will do that in a way that is cost effective and administratively not burdensome for our customers. Um, uh, so that is that that is the bottom line you know when we're involved in in risk management we we're interested in reducing risk for the least possible cost um that is what we do here um that's how we help help businesses um you know in terms of refining the offer you know a, a sort of slightly touch point the point that we uh, had to adjust what we were doing. You know, initially we started the business as an independent advisory firm. So yeah. our fees uh, and revenues were generated in consulting income. You know, yeah. we'd go to yeah. and say, right, we're going to do this project for you. Um, and the project is going to cost X. Yeah. Um, and over time, we've managed to get into a position where we're actually able to execute on the FX transactions, which is a cost that's already incurred by the client with their bank or yeah. rich firm. So what essentially we're doing um, is we're able to provide our consulting service that's paid for in a transaction cost, Yes, um, which is a win-win for the customer. You know, they are getting a competitive rate uh, from us in terms of buying their currency. Um, but also they're getting, you know, high quality, high touch advisory services from us, which is paid for in a spread, which they're already paying. Ah, okay. I understand. Me. So I guess, so you, so you go, do, do you actually negotiate the rate now with the bank for the customer? Yeah, well, it's between us and the customer. So the customer would come to us and say, "Right, I need to, I need to buy X amount of currency. What rate can you provide me with?" We provide a rate, um, and they can execute through through us. Uh, uh, the R kind of stuff. So, but but the, but the rate that you provide is obviously is based on a rate that you can get from the market. 
Correct. Yes. I understand. So, and as you said, they execute through you. So, as you said, your 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 trans your your fee is in the spread. Yes. So we it's a, it's a back to back transaction. The client executes or agrees a, a rate through us. We then agree a rate with our banks. Of course. Yeah. I understand. But your if fees but 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 your fees are involved in that spread, as you said. I mean, as a a half yes. a half a percent or a, or a yeah, whatever, it's, whatever it's, it might be. Yeah, and we're we're very transparent about that. I mean, for customers that come to us purely for transaction FX, you know, our fees are not going to be high. You know, they're yeah, going yeah, to be yeah. and they're going to be pretty competitive because, frankly, that we're not doing an awful lot. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, but you know, that's the truth. You know, I understand. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I would say ninety percent plus of our customers are people who come to us though for the risk advice yes you know? i understand yeah yeah the thing is in fx it's the transactional piece is fairly well commoditized you know you can go to your bank yeah i mean it's easy i mean i said i worked as a financial controller in bank well in banks insurance as a management and it's easy once you as once you have assessed the risk and you know what adjustments you need to make then it's easy to go to, to your bank and, or, and, yeah. and just say to them, okay, I want to buy and sell these currencies. However, yeah. doing, this, doing, doing the asset liability management or doing the risk assessment or putting the forward and the hedge in place, that requires specific skills. Correct, exactly. And you know, that's why you know, we're, we're not marketing ourselves as a brokerage firm. Although yes. that's the way now in which we monetize our service. Yes, yes. We do not uh, associate ourselves as a brokerage firm. It's purely as a means of monetizing our service. So our customers come to us, well, as I said, 90% at least, will come to us because they value our input and advice, strat you know, strategy solutions for managing risk, and they yeah. pay in a spread. And the real value there is that they're going to have to go to a bank or a broker to do a transaction, right? Yeah. You know, they're paying for that already, whether they like it or not. So why not come to a partner where you can get the strategic advice? And, um, a, compar and a competitive rate. At a, at, a, at a comparison, a comparative rate to what they're getting at the moment, if not, you know, in some cases, better. Cool. So that's, that's, that's how we operate. Uh, whereas before we were charging consulting fees. I think one of the, I mean, maybe you can attest to it. it there's almost like a psychological issue around paying consulting fees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pe people don't like the word consultancy so much. I work with a few big clients now and I said to them, what, what we are doing is a transformation. I call it yeah, finance and business. I call it, I call it finance and business transformation. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and I tend to call myself more Rather than a consultant, I tend to say more, I'm, I'm a financial expert. Yeah. Rather than a financial consultant, you know, um, because yeah. just, just the word consultant sounds a bit. I mean, my client might call, my client might call me consultant. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I say I'm an expert or, yeah, or, yeah. I think the, yeah, the issue in our, or historically, what we found was, you know, Customers are therefore having to pay two different costs. So they have to pay us on the consulting side and then go to the bank and pay them yeah. to do the transaction. Whereas now we're doing the end-to-end -end flow under a single price. Um, 
it's important to note as well that we we don't particularly for the larger businesses that we work with we're not asking them to do all of their fx business with us it could even be as low as five percent of their oh, total yeah. or you know ten percent it's more advisory it's more advisory as you said yeah it, it yeah it's just it's just a way to for us to generate a income for providing value um i think certainly for larger businesses that are you know well catered for in terms of their transaction banking relationships they may have 15 different banks that they work with or you know some of whom provide debt facilities credit facilities other auxiliary value where the banks expect them to do some fx business with them uh, and to be honest they you know the client should do some fx business with them so we're not we're not saying that guys come over to bond to do all your fx through us we're just saying look let's work on a commercial relationship whereby we earn you know a, a sensible modest fee for providing your service yeah services to you and whether that's you know five percent of the of their volume at you know again a modest percentage fee then great um and like i said but you know we're looking to develop win-win relationships uh, i got it i got it so um so Vaughn, so just looking to wrap up uh or i see Vaughn or henry same thing henry Vaughn. <laughs> yeah so um where where can people find out about you i mean if someone listened to this and they're like wow that sounds like yeah man uh, maybe i got some financial risk i want to or some currency risk where can they find out about you and your business so uh you can find us on our website uh www.bondford.com uh there's a chat option there. There's options to call us directly, um, yeah. uh, even set up a meeting directly. I think via one of the options on the website, book a meeting or schedule a consultation, either or. Um, we'd be delighted to, to talk. Um, yeah. Or you can even find me personally on, on LinkedIn. You know, just drop me an invite. Uh, very happy to talk. You know, even if it's a case that you're, you know, not necessarily looking for something at the moment, or you just have a couple of queries, or um, you know, just I'm I'm an open book. Come come and talk to me. I'm, I'd be delighted to to talk cool. to you. Cool, your, cool, your, cool. Your, that makes your sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, so it's bond. So www bond fed b o n d f e d dot Okay, yeah, yeah. B o n d f r o R-D. Yeah, F-O-R-D. Ah, cool. Bond, bond, bond Bondfold. Yeah. I like it. Bondfold.co.uk. Is that correct? Uh, dot com. Okay, Bondfold.com. B-O-N-D-F-O-R-D.com. I get it. Or you can look up Henry, Henry Vaughn on LinkedIn, which is, which is where I actually met you. So last question yeah. I have for you before we wrap up. What does the word or what does financial intelligence mean to you? Um, good question i think probably having a very good understanding and awareness of financial matters and how they can impact you personally or in in a commercial sense how they can impact your business um so you know today we've talked a bit about cash flow yeah financial intelligence on cash flow would be understanding how my business is impacted uh you know by cash flow movements you know do that yeah 
being being very aware and um of of that yeah i got it i got it i got it all right so um look vaughn it's been a pleasure to have you on i mean i myself as i said i've, I've got to get ready for a meeting i actually had a call during this which probably related to that meeting so let me not keep you i really appreciate you coming on and um no doubt we will be uh, in touch again very soon maybe i've got some clients who i can send you away yeah. Who knows? Who knows? As I said, you know, even if, you know, people are just on the edge or they're kind of thinking, oh, you know, do I have this risk? What is it? Just, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm an open guy. Just, I'm keen to, keen to just talk and, and meet people as well. So. Of course, of course. And obviously as witnessed by you being here and just being on here, the podcast with me, I mean, um, yeah, it's just one way of you sharing what you do with not just me, with other people who actually listen to podcasts, you know, and it's it's listened quite a lot in the UK and the US and other countries as well. It's, it's a podcast that's actually growing, and, and it's a way of me sharing information and knowledge with people. So thanks a lot, Fantastic. and we. We'll I like the way you're doing, Roy. Thanks so much, and yes. um, yeah, let's let's keep in touch. Uh, and um, uh, like I said, yeah, happy to speak to any of your audience um, on matters concerning foreign exchange. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All the best, Roy. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find out more about me by Googling my name, Royston Cumberbatch. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube as Roy Cumberbatch. And if you are listening on YouTube, please hit that uh, subscribe button. Or you can find me on my website at www.racmac.com. That's R-A-C-M-A-C-S dot com. It'd be great to hear from you. And do feel free to tell me about any topics you want me to cover on future episodes. Until next time, be good to yourself and others. Keep positive and reaching for your financial goals. Bye-bye.